Oki is embedded in um, amazing national, regional, and global partnerships. It's a whole ecosystem that comes together. It's across all sectors of society that we get um, really amazing support. And I think that is possible because we really have this clear um, vision and the shared value behind it. Welcome to Contain This. I'm Dr. Stephanie Williams, Australia's Ambassador for Regional Health Security. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of country throughout Australia and our region. We recognise the continuing connection to land, waters and community and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Today, we're talking about gender equality and digital technology. And I'm joined by Gerda Binder, who is UNICEF's Regional Gender Advisor for East Asia and the Pacific. Gerda and her team, with girls, their families and communities, have developed Oki, the world's first period tracker app for girls and created with girls. Oki helps bridge the gender digital divide and provide young girls in the region with timely, culturally sensitive information about their menstrual, sexual and reproductive health. Gerda and I speak about how the Oki app came about, the co-creation process and how the app has been received in pilot countries of Indonesia and Philippines. We also discuss how her team is approaching the rollout of Oki in other countries where different cultural norms and religions play a part in access to understanding of menstrual health. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So Gerda, I get to talk to people who do a lot of interesting jobs doing this podcast and in, uh, in my work. And I was hoping you could start us off with telling us a bit about your role. What do you do as the Gender Advisor in UNICEF's East Asia and Pacific Office? Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's a, it's a pleasure to do this with you. Um, I'm equally excited. I work with UNICEF on gender equality and digital technology, which is a new and emerging area. It's so incredibly important that we don't look generically at the digital transformation that is happening in the world, but we use it and we leverage it for gender equality, for girls and women's empowerment. And so how do we do that? We need to close the gender digital debate. We need to look at the various barriers that really hinder girls and women to benefit equally from digitally enabled support. And this is what I'm working on, especially on the uh, Oki app. So, get it. How long have you been doing it? So, how long has UNICEF had a you know specific focused on the digital divide with gender equality forefront? And maybe then you could lead us into telling us more about the Oki app that you just mentioned, which is our main area of interest for this podcast. I think we're all aware of this gender digital divide since quite some time, but what has happened is that the focus on the adolescent girl wasn't there as much because it's much harder to get the data around it. Um, there's a community of practitioners, research institutions that UNICEF has been collaborating with for quite a couple of years to raise this topic that girls and women don't uh, benefit and also don't participate as much in digital innovation, in the use and adoption of digital tools. The focus on the adolescent girl, we really have particularly from the girls themselves that actually also raised the issue is that there is not enough 
uh, in the digital space that is relevant to their lives. And one of these topics they raised was an area that's so taboo and so silenced, and that was when they enter puberty, what's happening to their body. They want relevant content to their life that they can engage with, that they trust, and that is around menstrual health, that is around sexual and reproductive health. So you're describing a process by which UNICEF had some feedback from adolescent girls in different countries in East Asia and the Pacific in terms of the genesis of Oki. Can you tell us a bit more about those early days? Yeah, so that was around 2017-18 when more and more voices of girls shared with us directly in our programs, in our engagements, that they started to consider you know, the internet is one of the sources to find answers to their questions. And we also know that the data still shows us that adolescent girls before their first period have very little to some, in some context in East Asia Pacific, no information about what's going to happen. And so, of course, the anxiety that comes with it, or girls telling us stories about thinking they were sick because they got their menstruation or having cancer and not being able to confide in anyone. And so this combination of a really much higher connectivity level that is in not all of them, but many countries in East Asia Pacific now help them to look for the answers. And yet they said, but I don't know which one of these answers to trust. Sometimes I get conflicting messages or I actually get information that is in a language uh, that is either so scientific or just really not something that is in a empowering or positive uh, format for me. So the adolescent girls in the region were the ones who raised and initiated this initiative and said, we want to break this taboo, but with that, we need to actually have access to trustworthy, to girl-friendly information at our fingertips. And in the language, you know, that works for us about our body changes, about during puberty, about relationships, about all relevant areas that we have to and that impact on our well-being and health as we grow up. So once you had collected this, you know, diagnosis of the information gap, as you described, from the girls themselves, how did you get to the development of the Oki app? Where, did it, where was it designed and piloted? It was a fantastic and amazing learning journey because we really decided uh, this will be completely informed and co-created by the adolescent girls themselves. And of course, they're close social circles, right? And so what happened is we selected a human-centered design approach that really put girls in the center of putting ideas and um, input into what is it that they need. It was the girls that basically determined it needed to be a mobile app a mobile application because that's where you can run it offline. You can make sure that they can have completely protected privacy and data protection. So the Oki app does not collect any personal information from a user. So you're really protected if you don't have to give that information, so it cannot be you know, used in other purposes. And then the look and feel was the most um, fun an engaging process. Girls would like, they would craft mock-ups 
they would draw, they would show you what works for them. And, and the result was just beyond, like beyond what we could expect. They were really clear it needs to be a colorful gamified tool, not just a tool. They actually said, Oki should be my friend, my friend accompanying me in my journey to growing up. Should always be there, always be positive and empowering, speak to me in the way that works for me. And it should be very personalized and individualized so they can change avatars and they can change backgrounds and it grows with them. So does the way they can access information, right? It's, some of it is more factual yet in girl-friendly language. Others is in quiz form or tip of the day or a message that your, you know, your okie avatar friend sends you. They also ask for a period tracker so they can actually learn about their own body on an individual basis. And I think that's something that was so clear. Is what is the number one question of girls? Am I normal? You know, my period uh, comes irregular. Not the 28 days that they told or they talk about. So is something wrong with me? And so that providing that support and confidence, being able to track it, Maybe being able to know when is my next period so I bring a sanitary pad with me to school. I'm not kind of surprised or anxious about it. It makes so much sense now that you describe how it was co-created. I downloaded Aki to my phone, of course, to have a look and I was, all I could diagnose myself was with increasing age because I, it was so colourful, so much like a game, but with also clear and logical places to find information can you summarize I mean you've talked about it already a bit but so there's information about puberty interaction and tracking are there other features of the app there's one very important uh, feature is uh, what we call the health center and that means that sometimes you know the content as you find it or read it is not enough you might be stressed about a specific issue you might not find answers questions you have. So girls need to know about what support services they can turn to. So the health center gives them contact information uh, to helplines, to sexual and reproductive health clinics that are adolescent friendly. Um, and it also kind of trays and encourages you to contact them. Can you tell us more about the rollout of Oki in the Philippines and Indonesia? You know, how many girls or devices have downloaded it? How many people have you reached? And and I guess in those countries, there are some very conservative communities too. I'm wondering how you've tackled uh, the access to Oki in, in some of the more conservative religious communities. Yeah, Indonesia was one of the pilot countries. So it was launched in 2020. And I think it was perceived and the response was so overwhelmingly positive. It was just fantastic how girls, how their families, communities and government stakeholders responded to it, right? So, for example, the, the government in Indonesia, the Ministry of Education put Oki on the teacher training platform. So also teachers could access it and use it when, you know, delivering health education in the classroom. And that really kind of supported us in the decision and with the amazing partnership with DFAT and the resource support to invest in how do we get the knowledge of Oki to as many girls as there are and have access to some devices. And so in past and promotion in schools by local partners, you know, you name them, these were all 
uh, local organizations having been working on girls' education, health, or menstrual menstruation for a long time to go and visit schools, do okay promotion activities, activation events where, you know, all collaborating with the school leadership, the girls and boys, they feel comfortable that they could download it, they could use it. They sometimes have interactive sessions with doctors. So we see the combination of in-person and digital marketing is something that works because we have a very, you know, diverse target audience. At the moment, um, Oki has been um, scaling to a lot of other countries too. So globally, um, after they've been localized, we are now looking at about almost half a million of users and downloads. Of course, then there are the more engaged users who come back every month. And that's also something why continuous engagement with our users, the promotion through schools, through health services, through trusted adults and community leaders is especially important for girls to keep learning to enjoy and that we constantly improve it with them. You mentioned the Philippines. There was really a huge need and an ask uh, from uh, the Philippines team to uh, take the learning from Indonesia, take the app, but localize it to the Philippines con uh, context because we do know that sexual reproductive health information is particularly important. We did look at a particular focus, as you mentioned, into uh, the Mindanao region that is more conservative and comes with their own kind of policies around how sexuality education uh, should be delivered with an Islamic perspective. And so, Finding the right partners at the beginning is always key. Uh, engaging with the girls to see um, how would an Oki Philippines um, app look like, right? And for the Mindanao region, it really worked because there was a commitment to respect as the concerns of the government, of the leaders, um, knowing that young people really want it to be supported and endorsed. And the concerns were mainly at the beginning because the Oki content quite encompassing, right? Quite comprehensive and touched upon a lot of perceived sensitive issues. And so the team, the Oki Philippines team found an amazing solution. They said, okay, fine, no problem. We'll go through the content together with you. We pick the ones that we're testing for these initial consultations and we just put them on big cardboard. We just make mock-ups. Right, so we always find ways around building that trust that Oki is really something that aligns, that aligns to international standards, that aligns to evidence-based, you know, sexuality um, education, that also um, really respects the cultural context that is in. And over time, um, the development, the perseverance, the trust increased to the point that the Oki app in the Philippines now has an option that. Um, the user can opt for it to access the content as is, or also get an additional uh, Islamic perspective to it, which is absolutely, you know, aligned to the um, to their policies and curricula in school. And with that, we got the authorities and the community to be the greatest supporters I've ever seen of the OK app. They wanted to be used in schools. They promoted directly through their platforms and programs. Uh, because they really said, you know, we know you could have done this without us because it's a digital tool. Anyone can, you know, release those. But you actually 
listen to us. So Gerda, I wonder, from based on what you've learned in the Philippines and Indonesia, how you are approaching what I understand is the net, one of the next countries for rollout in Papua New Guinea with a very di different digital landscape. Uh, what are some of the approaches you're taking in Papua New Guinea? The digital landscape and the context in Papua New Guinea is so very different to most of the countries that we've worked with uh, on localizing Oki. So in acknowledging that, we actually took a step back and said we won't just you know, go forward with what we have done in other countries. We will actually do a scoping study to really understand what are the needs and the opportunities in a context that's as challenging as in Papua New Guinea. And so we talked to government representatives, to local organizations that have been working in Papua New Guinea for a long time. And what really emerged was the recommendation to focus first on the content and information and get that to adolescent girls, their families and communities. And focus on the technology second. So the period tracking, which is really useful too, is the, the next priority once we get that kind of learning and knowledge um, happening. And so this led us to look into leveraging low-tech options, which have been around for much longer. So the, the appropriate kind of approach that was that identified was to use um, the OK content in terms of storytelling in radio shows for community listening, which would also be not just girls, but like their mothers and their siblings and the family and more so that it was a learning, but also an engaging and interactive experience. And in parallel, to develop interactive voice response, IVR, um, which is basically um, where you can call and through a menu, you can uh, listen to pre-recorded messages. And that helps you first to get more in-depth information because writing or reading sometimes is also a barrier to access information and no internet is required there. And that is one of the most important things that connectivity will still, you know, take um, some more time uh, to be benefiting uh, users in the Papua New Guinea context. And so my last question, you know, we, it's not all up to the OKI app to, you know, you can't do it alone, um, obviously. All our public health interventions are, need to be multimodal when we're looking to promote information and understanding on any topic. But thinking about OKI, how do you measure impact? So this is, some, you know, we've got downloads, we've got users. What are, what are your kind of metrics for, for impact in Oki and how, 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 where do you want to be in, say, five years? First, I would like to acknowledge absolutely Oki is embedded in um, amazing national, regional and global partnerships. It's a whole ecosystem that comes together to support, you know, the quality of it that is continuous as girl-friendly. It builds out. It reaches them. Um, it's across all sectors of society that we get. Um, really amazing support. And I think that is possible because we really have this clear vision and the shared value behind it. And that's really what is it that we want to see in that girls are empowered and experience gender equality to make informed decisions over their reproductive health and have, you know, the menstruation knowledge 
and the reproductive health knowledge that they need. At the same time, there's a couple of other, as you spoke about metrics, areas that we're trying to measure, including, you know, shifting attitudes in communities uh, to be more open um, and able to speak about those um, sensitive topics around sexual and reproductive health with young people that governments really endorse and promote, not just the OKI app, but a lot more that, you know, it's one of the channels to help um, girls and boys to access the information they need. So we kind of have a, a, a whole kind of, if you like, a framework of metrics that we try to measure. At the moment, we're really at the stage of looking in Indonesia and Philippines where OK is running. How much do we achieve in terms of uptake, which, you know, download numbers are a start, but of course they don't tell you the story. Um, so we also look at engagement. How often do they use it? We can see from the back end, it's completely anonymous and aggregated which features are being used, how long are they being used. We ask service in the app itself, have you learned something new? Do you share it uh, with your peers? We look at responses we're getting through both in-person and digital questions about confidence, about the impact that it has made on your own uh, health and well-being. It's been so great to talk with you, Gerda, and to hear the story about the co-creation, the gen- genuine co-creation with girls aged 10 to 19, as well as that pause that you had in the example with the Philippines with their reflection that anyone can release an app, but if you do take the time to build what app uh, you are promoting in with the broader ecosystem that you have described plus a conversation about what, what might work in this context ultimately you have a longer process, but higher impact. Um, and we really look forward to seeing more evidence as it accumulates from, from the measurement of impact that you've just described. So thanks so much for sharing the Oki experience with us today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Today we heard from Gerda Binder, UNICEF's Regional Gender Advisor in East Asia and the Pacific. We talked about the development, rollout and future plans for the Oki app, the world's first period tracker app for girls that was created with girls, and how that app is helping provide information about periods in a fun, creative and positive way, straight into their hands through the tools that they use every day, mobile phones. We've put a link to the Oki app website in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for your company. I'm Dr Stephanie Williams, Australia's Ambassador for Regional Health Security. We look forward to your company in another fortnight on the next episode of Contain This. Contain This is produced by the Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security. You can follow Australia's Ambassador for Regional Health Security, Dr Stephanie Williams, on Twitter at AusAmbRHS. You can also find that link in the show notes.